I had been medevaced to like four different hospitals in four different states from four different overdoses. My mother had bought me a plot. People had taken life insurance policies out on me. Like I was expected to die. Today we have on Brandon Novak. He is best known from Viva La Bam with Bam Margera, CKY, and the Jackass franchises. This guy has an amazing story. He started off as a professional skateboarder on the streets of Baltimore. He became strung out on heroin by the time he was 17 years old. Then he met Bam and became one of the stars of those series back in the day. He was in some amazing stunts. And finally, after 20 years, after all of this crazy stuff, in and out of jail, rehab, he finally kicked his heroin habit at the age of 38. And now he owns sober living houses and rehab centers on the East Coast. He's also written several books and he has a documentary coming out about his time on Viva La Bam and Jackass. This guy has an amazing life and an inspirational story. So without further ado, enjoy Brendan Novak. What I know to be true today that I did not see at the time, that was the very first moment in a series of events that took place to this outcome that created a change. That's when I see the lights behind me start to flash. And I didn't even think, I just hit it. I was driving like my life depended on it. Then I parked the car, hopped out, closed the door, and I started running. And he pulls out a burner, shanks, like six inches. And then he passes it to me. And he goes, here, that's yours. Don't ever leave the cell block without this. He was the reason I made it out of that place alive. Brandon Novak. Thank you, buddy. Dude, thanks for having me. Yeah, man. I'm in like uh, the West Coast version of Baltimore City. Where? Here. Oh, right down here? Yeah. I, I wasn't expecting what I came into here. But I feel like South Central is way nicer. Like, I feel like, I, I, does Baltimore still have the corners that you we saw on the wire 15, 20 years ago? It, nothing's changed there. And it's funny that you said that because coming here, I, I, was, I knew where I was at and I kind of could see what was going on in the neighborhoods, but yet they all had really kept fucking grasses and lawns. Yeah, exactly. That's LA, dude. Even the hoods look nice. <laughs> yeah, like who the fuck in the hood takes care of their yards? Dude, I thought of you today. I knew you were coming on the show and we we're going to talk about drugs and drug addiction. And I'm at a diner getting some food and this junkie walks in and he's walking around the tables asking people for money and food. And he's just starts grabbing food off of people's plates uh. and shoving them into his mouth. And I'm like, oh, I, this is fitting. Who's gonna tell? <laughs> Did you ever get that bad? <laughs> yeah. no, I was never hungry, right? Like I was two things in life as an addict. I was fucking sick, trying to get mm -hmm. well, meaning get yeah. more heroin, mm -hmm. or high and just comatose mm -hmm. fucking state of like surviving and maybe a Snickers for dinner. Right, right. Like I didn't, you know, food wasn't really on my list of things to make happen. Well, so let's start from the beginning because you look like a different, you are a different person. Yeah. I was rewatching like, you know, Jackass and some, some Viva La Bam videos. And it's like, it's, I'm looking at a different human being. So were you using in those days? Oh, 100%. Um, you know, it's funny. So, so Bam and I grew up skateboarding together. Uh, okay. And that's he, your background, right? As a yeah. Skater. Yeah. That's what all kind of, guys, of led really. me into all of this with skateboarding. Right. That's the commonality between all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Majority and, of us. And you're from Baltimore. Baltimore. Yeah. So the west I, or the east side? East. Okay. Um, and that, yeah, that's right. Cause that's the white side. That's yeah, like, it's the, the more, it's, it's the culturally diverse mixed. Right. West is black. Right. Um, good luck if you're white. Yeah. Totally. Right? Over there trying to score. Like I'd go over there trying to score heroin. I remember one time I, uh, this, this shop, it was red and white 25s in park Heights. Mm -hmm. Park Heights for a white guy is, is really 
off limits. Even if you're buying dope? Yeah. Really? So here, check the story out. It's, it's, it's a midnight shop, midnight to six, Park Heights. I'm sick. I have some money. We go over. There's this long line of people getting served. I jump out. I have a hood on and some shorts and, and I'm in line and I get up to the front of the line and there's three guys, a guy standing, a guy on a bike and a guy standing. One guy has a gun in his hand is just making sure that everything runs smoothly. Yeah. The other guy on the bike is handing out the bags and the guy standing some is collecting the money. Yeah. I get up and I go to hand the guy my money and he looks at my skin and he just refuses to take the money. He will not take wow. it. And then another guy comes up and tries to take it. And I I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. The third guy with the gun, who's making sure everything runs smoothly, literally puts the gun to my head and said, white boy, I'm going to get you out of this neighborhood. One of two ways you choose which way. And he walks me back to the car, gun to my head the whole time, get in the car and fucking leave. Never took your money. Never took the money, nor served me the heroin. I mean, racist, but very principled too. They, 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 there's they, ethics. They stick to their racism, you know? That's West wow. Baltimore. All right, you guys, listen up. I need a minute of your time to tell you about the best new product on the market. That is not hyperbole. I'm talking about Fume, you guys. Fume, F-U-M. Fume is a all-natural flavored air stick, okay? Check this out. This is it right here, okay? If you are trying to stop those bad habits that we all have sometimes, what is the hardest part? The hardest part is simply the action of it, right? The fidgeting, the the, the constant uh, texture in your fingers. Guess what? Fume is the antidote for that, all right? Check this out. You simply remove this part. You add a fume-flavored air stick like this. This is mint-flavored, guys, and it comes in all different sorts of flavors. Put it back in. Look at that. That's simple, and you're sucking on flavored air, okay? Instead of electronics, Fume is completely natural. Instead of harmful chemicals, Fume uses all-natural, delicious flavors, okay? This is the perfect way to stop those bad habits that most of us have these days, okay? Check this out. If you go over to tryfume.com and use promo code CONNECT, you're going to get 10% off when you order the Journey Pack today. I love fume. Okay. I just started, I just tried it for the first time 45 minutes ago before we did this ad read and I'm hooked. I can't put it down. Can't stop sucking on delicious flavored air. There's no downside to using this. You guys go over to fume, tryfume.com right now. Use promo code connect, get 10% off when you order the journey pack and stop those bad habits today. Thank you so much to fume for sponsoring us. That is wild. So I, I mean, they do it differently in every city. They do. Because you go to New York or you go to Philly, Philly. or Newark. If you are a white person there to score drugs yeah. and somebody robs you, uh, the kingpin, whoever owns that corner will fuck that guy up. Cause they're like, we, we want you being nice to the customers. Yeah. We don't want them going back and telling their junkie friends, Hey, don't go to this corner. They're very business you know? savvy. And in Philly, I can't, I started copying in Kensington at the end when I'm like living with Bam and, right. and, and can't get back to Baltimore. And I remember the first time I went to the block and, and in Baltimore, it's all blacks. Yeah. In Philly, it's all Puerto Ricans mm -hmm. for the most mm -hmm. part. And, and all of a sudden on this one block, I have like five Puerto Ricans coming up, offering me the same heroin. I'm like, Who's trying to rip me off here? Yeah. But that's how it works. Right. In Baltimore, it's one guy that has the specific heroin. Wow. Like it doesn't branch out. And is that because they're so ready to use violence that one guy is able to like monopolize a corner? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely a stronghold.
But then there's also people in Baltimore you have to look out for that'll burn you, burners, mm-hmm. right? In Philly, they're not burning you. Just like you said, really good business ethics. Did you ever get burned badly? Oh yeah, yeah, lots of, dude. Um, what would that be like? Well, uh, so, Losing your money when you're dope sick? Dude, well, I, it's, a, it's a new chapter. It's a chapter in my book and it's, it's uh, it, one night I'm in this abandoned house and, and I'm, uh, I'm renting the abandoned house. I rent a room from this guy named Slim for $10 a night. We're leaving. It's like four in the morning and I have a room upstairs and in the living room, uh, there's milk crates with a piece of plywood on it and some candles lit. And there's about four people around this plywood smoking crack. And there's a woman there with a baby in a stroller. Right. And me and my two friends make it Alexia and Caleb are their names in the book. We're leaving. It's four in the morning and they call me back in and they know that I have $10 stashed in my sock and they're trying to get the tax. I don't have the money. I don't have the money. Finally, they, two women, fucking strong army, yoke me up and give me the money. Give me the money. This money is like my lifeline. There's no way I'm coming off this. Uh, I will be ill as a research monkey really mm-hmm. soon if I give this up. And I hear the one lady say to the other lady, four in the morning, baby in a stroller, smoking crack by candlelight. And I hear the one lady say, give me the knife. Give me the knife. What I think is handed a knife to the woman starts stabbing me in the head. I find out they're stabbing me in the head with a fucking ink pen. I give the 10 bucks up and then just run out. And I'm like, Oh my God. It took me getting stabbed in there with an ink pen four times before I gave up $10. Yeah. Because I mean, look, like that's, that's, that's like your relief. Yeah. That's, that's my everything. It's everything. It's a $10 bag of dope. The $10 literally dictates the terms of, of my day uh, and, and what direction it's going to go in. Well, how much money were you spending a day at your height? As much as I could come up with. Are you talking a hundred bucks? A good day, a few hundred. Like, what yeah. do you need to stay well, I guess? What's your minimum? 30, 40 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, they sell $10 vials of heroin? Or bags. how does it work? Bags, bags of heroin, like glassine bags. In Philly, yes. And in Baltimore, like little kind of Ziploc, you know, like real tiny yeah. little. Yep. But now the game has changed. I've been sober for over, a year, over eight years. And uh, and I hear there's like the bags of heroin are $3. Wow. Three and $5. I mean, I imagine. So if you fucking can't come up with three or $5 a day, you have no <laughs> business shooting dope. Dude, junkies are some of the most resourceful, energetic <laughs> go-getters I've ever met. They're okay? always fidgeting. They're always Never fidgeting. But the, and they know how to like make heroin rigs. <laughs> like that's not easy. Like you take skill to know how to shoot dope. Like yeah. did you have somebody to teach you how to like get the cotton ball wet and you like tie your arm up. Like well, the, the irony in that is I didn't have a teacher, but at first when it's so like, it's a progression that happens. Mm-hmm. Start out with the pain pills. You're buying them. Hang on. You know what? I actually, I, I need to know the background. Yeah. 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 Cause I mean, how, how people can sit around in an abandoned house with a baby in the, their stroller. Yeah. Smoking crack four all in the night, morning. That's, it didn't start that way. No. It started with deep pain, I assume, right? Yeah, it's all connected to a much deeper fucking issue. It's it's because I'm in these like sex addict meetings yeah. now, and it's, uh, you know, I'm learning so, so much about it. So you're a sex it. addict. I don't know. Or That's what I tell my girlfriend with. who caught me cheating, trying to, you know, yeah, trying yeah. to get <laughs> back in her good graces, right? Honey, I'm, I'm an addict. I got yeah, a disease. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a displacing, the addictive act is just displacing hopelessness, right? Well, it, what connected. it is, is, is so the, 
the fucking masturbation, the, yeah. the heroin is the solution to the problem. Right. Right. The real problem lies in self, the mm. thinking, the attitude and the behavior. Right. 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 It's the behaviors that lead me to a needle in my arm yeah. or a cock in my hand. Right. 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 So, okay, let's start at the beginning. So you're a good kid. You're a skateboarder. East Baltimore. Yeah. Your mother is like a genius. Yeah. A nuclear physicist. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, father was the outlaw. Yeah. Hell's angel. He was a gnarly guy. Yeah. Amazing. He was around just enough to let us know he was not around. Like just pop up yeah. every now and then. Yeah. And just when, to make you miss him. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Just kind of like sticking just the head in, if mm -hmm. you will. And Did he provide support financially? When he could, was when he, it made sense. Was, so was he actually running with the angels, like yeah. doing illegal shit? Yeah, he spent a lot of his time incarcerated as well. You know, so was he selling dope or dope, meth, yeah, coke, yeah, um, growing a lot of herb, yeah, uh, and just kind of caught up in that lifestyle, right? So as a matter of fact, at a really young age, I recognized the psychic change that takes place. Uh, upon an individual once they ingest a drink or a drug. Cause my father was like the nicest guy in the world. Mm -hmm. But when he didn't come home to make dinner at 5 PM, cause he was in like an excellent cook and, and we heard him and his biker buddies pulling at three or three 30, we shook like leaves because yeah. we knew as a direct result of drugs and alcohol, his behavior would come erratic and sporadic to say the least mm -hmm. and unpredictable. Mm -hmm. So I could see the difference take place. So I actually like, live with that after school special or cautionary tale of what never to fucking become. And I, I excelled at most things I did in my life to prove that I would never be that man. Mm. Like, so, so your motivation is to be different than your father. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so, so your skateboarding is like an outlet, right? Skateboarding at a young age, skateboarding for me at a young age did what drugs and alcohol did for me at a later age. Yeah. Right. Like you give me a skateboard at the age of seven and put me in a room with the world's prettiest models. I'll not only believe that they've been waiting for me, but that they're dying to marry me. Mm. Right. Like drugs and alcohol later on down that road would create that same delusional narrative. So it gave you power. Yeah. It, it gave it, you an identity. Exactly. It gave me something to like fucking rest my, my morals and values on. It's not it talked for me. And on the surface, it's not a bad thing. No it's skateboarding, you know? And I, did really well with it. So at you, a were young you age. pro? Because I don't I was, know anything before Jackass. I don't know your background. Yeah. Did you so become pro? I was designing my pro model for Pal. So Bucky Lasik, who was he, pro for Pal, also from Baltimore, okay, took me under his wing, and he is the guy that introduced me to Pal, got me sponsored, and we'd come out to Cali all the time and stay at Hawk's house, and wow, you know, is that right? Tour how, with all those. How guys. old are you at this time? 14, 15. Yeah. You come up young. Yeah. That's the thing about skateboarding is like, you can go pro when you're a teenager. Yeah. So, so we had met Bam going to this skate park in Pennsylvania called Sheep Skates. And at the time, Bam was not sponsored. I was sponsored by Pal. Bucky was pro for Pal. Bam wanted to ride for Pal. When I met him, I knew he was going to be a fucking problem, <laughs> right? Because like we were the exact same. We dressed the same. We talked the same. We act the same. We we, we skated consistently. We, we were outside the box kind of trick guys and, and mm. rode mini ramp. So all of a sudden we clicked up, became thick as thieves. And every year we'd practice for this contest, the, the NH and NSAs in Bricktown, New Jersey. And he would win or I would win religiously. Wow. And one year I didn't show up to this contest, but Bucky did. And Bam goes to Bucky, yo, where's Novak? And Bucky says, I think he's on heroin. And Bam's like, what is that? Such a young age, like he didn't even know. 
And um, at this point, Bama got sponsored, career continued to fucking excel. Mine, I chose to pursue heroin <laughs> and uh, so steady decline. At, at 15 years old? At end of 16, 17, I was a full-blown heroin addict. So, so, so that's before a, then it was, was it smoking weed? Yeah. You know, I would steal it from my father. Yeah. The, the, yeah, the, the yeah. typical progression, nothing different, but the thing is what allowed me to get a little further out to sea to where I wasn't like kind of salvageable or, or, or preventable from going down this path was that I was already successful. So people believed that there was a method to my madness mm. and, and it looked like I knew what I was doing because I, you know, I'm touring the world with Pal Peralta. I'm designing my pro model. I, I stay at Hawk's house in the summer sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, so you're kind of a star in this world at a super young age, no accountability in my life. Like right. most people at this point are getting jobs and there's yeah. a, a boss to be accountable to. And sure. And, and my boss looked like. Uh, this guy, Todd Hastings, who was the team captain for Pal, and and I would skate to the 7-Eleven and pump like $3 worth of quarters in the payphone and call him and tell him like the new tricks I'm learning and the videos I'm trying yeah, to film. Yeah. That was it. It's rad, though. Yeah. I mean, so, so it's almost like being a child actor. You yeah, know what I mean? Dude, you, I always say like- if You I, don't really have a childhood. No, You're fucking, no, it, it was You went that. straight to pros. And, and it was, it truly is my, my God-given talent, right? Mm -hmm. Like you could be the best ping pong player in the world, but God might not see fit to put a paddle mm -hmm. on your hand. When I was right. given that skateboard at seven, that night, my mother put me to bed. She said, Brandon, what would you like me to do with this skateboard? And I said, I, I want it in bed with me. She <laughs> said, why? And I said, because if I die, I want it to go with me. Like, no, I'm not even fucking about. Like the moment that board touched my hand, I knew that I was going to skateboard for the rest of my life. Wow. I knew like there was no yeah. plan B, a trait, yeah. an option. Mm -hmm. I wasn't focusing on school or yeah. fucking and getting a... So, but yet you let this drug or drugs yeah. kind of destroy it. I believe in my case uh, that I was genetically predisposed, mm -hmm. right? My father was an addict and his father was an addict. Mm. My mother and- So do you feel then that your addiction was simply genetic and not you trying to d displace from like pain that was caused by your father or I, something I think else? It was all of that, all yeah. of the above, yeah. right? Like it was genetics. Mm -hmm. It was me trying to escape a fucked up reality that my drug addict father created for mm -hmm. us. Uh, and it was me also being allowed to check out of a life that was kind of like very climatic, right? Yeah. Like a, a high energy, high, high production. Yeah. Um, lot yeah. to live up to at a young age. Right. So it allowed me to kind of just check out for a little bit. So you were stealing your father's weed from yeah. a young age, like yeah. how old? Uh, like probably 10, 11. Today's episode is sponsored by HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. You guys are like me. You're on the go constantly, a very active lifestyle. You're busy with your business or your job or your kids. You don't have time to cook. That's where HelloFresh can change your life. Check it out. When you need dinner fast, don't get takeout. Use HelloFresh. Their meals you can prepare in 15 minutes or less, and it's 25% cheaper than most takeout. Think about it. How much are you spending on DoorDash? 40, 50 bucks a shot? Forget about that. You're out of your mind. Go to HelloFresh.com right now. Use promo code CONNECT50 and you can get 50% off your order plus shipping, okay? You can get three meals a day shipped to you if you want, if you got it like that. In many ways, HelloFresh has saved my relationship because now I don't got to fight with my girl over places to go eat. It can save your relationship. It can save your pocketbook. It can save your life, especially if you're looking to, to get in shape and eat healthier. HelloFresh has 40 delicious 
healthy recipes for you to choose from, and they switch it up every week, okay? You absolutely have to check these guys out. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Connect50 and use promo code Connect50 to get 50% off plus free shipping. That is an unbeatable offer. Go to HelloFresh right now. Get your life in order. Get in shape. Thank you for sponsoring the show. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp makes it easy to access affordable online therapy. You guys, the economy is about to take a dump. There's political turmoil. Nuclear war truly may be kicking off any month now. Uh, your girlfriend left you. Your dog died. And you have no family. They've turned their back on you. Well, there's somebody to talk to, okay? And it's not the homeless guy on the corner drinking a 40 out of a paper bag. Shout out to the early 2000s. Miss those days. Go over to BetterHelp right now. They have access to thousands and thousands, the biggest worldwide network of accredited therapists online. And it's way, way cheaper than doing it in person, okay? And it saves you a trip out of the house, you know, traffic, all that stuff. You go to BetterHelp right now and use promo code CONNECT, you will get 10% off your first month, okay? And it's already heavily discounted, all right? I actually didn't believe in Zoom or online therapy for a while until I tried BetterHelp, and I realized that it doesn't really matter if it's in person or in front of a screen. A friend is a friend, a professional is a professional, and boy, are they professional over at BetterHelp. So, you know, even if you're balling on a budget... It's good to take care of your mental health. You got to take care. This is the only thing that truly matters is this thing up here, okay? So go over to BetterHelp right now, betterhelp.com, promo code CONNECT for 10% off of your first order. Thank you, BetterHelp. So are you getting high as you're doing all the skateboarding? and Here and there, mm. right? Like it was a really gradual thing. But my father, my mother started out at Mercy Hospital she got a job at 15, um, drawing blood for $5 a pop. She was a phlebotomist, literally worked her way up the ladder to become a nuclear physicist on the board of Mercy Hospital. But in doing all that, it required fucking time and energy. And, and she needed to be places that didn't consist of watching us. So she would either two things like take me to the hospital and I would just skate in the parking garage all day or have to leave me with my father. And when she'd leave me with my father, he would take me with him to like all the strip joints where he would conduct his business and, and he'd be in the back doing business. And they, the, the dancers would sit me on a stool and at nine, seven, eight and, and, and pour shots of ginger ale and Coca-Cola in these shot glasses. So as I would do the shots, the, the girls would applaud my father, yeah. would, you know, so I was kind of being <laughs> like molded yeah. into yeah. unbeknownst to me. Yeah. I remember riding around and, and my father would be smoking herb in the car with their biking buddies and, and a cop would ride and they'd kind of lower the joint. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I was just learning it yeah. unbeknownst to me. Totally. God. So it made sense. And my father would like. So when did the heroin come into play then? And how, like, did it, did, so, did it go, did you move to Coke first or did you just go straight to No, smack? it was like a lot of. Uh, it was herb and then the pills, kind of the parting. But what happened was I got into contact in, with this guy who was selling large amounts of herb, um, you know, boxes of 20, 50 pounds like mm -hmm. that yeah. way back in the day. And um, I was really intrigued by him. And he sought me out because, and then I started like smuggling money um, for him out to California uh. to his 
Mexican people mm. um, because I was this little kid who was really innocent. I lived in the airport traveling and he knew that I'd be great for his business. Wow. So they'd wire me up with like, uh, you know, a hundred thousand, 200,000 at a clip. And I'd fly out here and this little Mexican woman would meet me at the hotel. I'd unload the money and he was super successful. And I really started getting into the way he lived. He was really disheveled, drove a fucking Lexus, nice Rolex, beautiful fucking girlfriend eating it like Ruth Chris. And, and I kind of bought into that, but he was a heroin addict. And I was so fascinated with the way that he lived and the respect that he got with like such minimal effort. Mm. Um, but he always had one of those little bags with a Ziploc and he always had a pen top and he would just stick the pen top in and <laughs> hit it. Right. And then in the beginning, he would pay me a hundred bucks just to ride into the hood with him to buy. And I just do it. Cause why not? And then, you know, it's kind of like you keep going to the barbershop sooner or later, you're going to get a haircut. Mm. Uh, one day I found it fascinating and appealing enough to, to give it a try. But before I, I bought it with him, I sold like uh, one night I sold like 20 pounds of herb to this guy and he paid me, but he was short like 500 bucks. And he gave me uh, a couple grams of raw heroin. And I wasn't even thinking about it. I put it in my sock drawer. I'm still living at my mother's house for Christ's sake. And are you also skateboarding? That's fading out. Okay. So That's you're getting a little bit out old. now. Like, why did you let the skateboarding fade out? What, what happened? I, you know, I lost interest, mm. right? I, I, I really, my disease started to progress in a way that I, I had no idea how powerful it was becoming. And I was really underestimating the severity of the situation. Mm -hmm. And the further I got out, the more disconnected from reality I became. And the things that I genuinely loved in the beginning that provided this happiness, unlike anything else, started to become an inconvenience. Yeah. Right. And now I wanted to like have no responsibilities, adhere to nobody's schedule or time, not break my body off creating this awesome video part when I could just hang out with B and fucking make, you know, whatever, and all this do money, whatever yeah. at such a young age. I, 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 I thrive on like, you know, being told not what to do. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like, right. Fuck that. Yeah. Well, that's, this all makes sense with skateboarding and jackass yeah. and you, you know, your father being an outlaw, which, and then ultimately, if you think about it, then fast forward, ending up in Viva La Bam and jackass and CKY, the role that I played was literally a junkie's dream, right? The the more outlandish my behaviors were, the more outrageous my my antics became, mm. the higher in demand I was, the better the ratings were, the more money I made. Right. That's a right. fucking junkie's dream. Uh, right, I know, I know. But you were also like, it's weird watching uh, some of those clips. You were kind of the guy, I mean, everybody was trying to up the ante. Totally. Everybody was trying to do the most outrageous shit. Steve-O had a lot to yeah. do with that, you know, his energy. But you were the guy that Bam was, like, picking on. Like For you sure. You were, like, the butt of a lot of those bits. Like Absolutely. The, uh, the, where, he, where he threw water in your face on one cheek, so you turn the other way, and he yeah. just fucking whops you with a with a <laughs> boxing glove, dude. Um, so did that – Did I mean, I assume you were on dope then. Like, no, you were – you well, So if you look at the scales of justice, it played in my favor, which – the majority of the public sees that and they say, oh, this poor guy, right? right? Um, 
I don't know if your heartless fucking sex addict ass would say that, but I think, you know, a lot would. Well, I, I feel bad. No, no, no. I feel because I'm just totally I, fucking I, with I, you. I assumed no, 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 you can, you can't hurt me. Uh, I all, all true. But <laughs> did that hurt your feelings though? Well, like so did that accelerate here, your bitterness no, or make so you use more? What people don't see the behind the scenes that majority of people aren't privy to is that like prior to that, right. Bam. And, uh, Offered me an opportunity because again, I crew, I, I pursued a career in heroin. My life went to shit. Yeah. I, I became like a homeless heroin addict in Baltimore city. I was prostituting my body, letting men blow me to get money oh, to buy heroin. Like so fucking shit, basketball diary. Straight shit. up. Okay. To a so, so let's not, let's, let's not skip ahead then. So he, bam, kind of saved you. Okay. Was trying so to, to, save you. to bring it back. Yeah. So we'll bring it back to when you, so Bucky and I would go heroin. to that contest. Yeah. Right. In, right. in Bricktown, New Jersey, mm -hmm. where Bam would show up and either he'd win or I'd win. One year I don't show up. Bam does. Ask Bucky where I'm at. Bucky says heroin. Bam's like, what's that? Around 17, 18. A few, later, a few years later, I, I pursue the career in heroin. I go to complete shit in Baltimore, right? Like uh, I'm literally eating out of trash cans. Uh, I'm letting men blow me for money to get heroin. Um, so is that a market contracted by the way? hepatitis C at that point? Right. Like wow. I'm out there from, from, from popping banging. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 One of the chapters in my new book is called the AIDS needle. I shot up with like, that's kind of where I took things to. Um, and it, it wasn't that, but it was me talking about being in this abandoned house. Right. Do you have HIV? No. Okay. Thank God. Wow. Here's how, here's the insanity of my addiction. Right. So there was this clinic that would pay you a harm reduction clinic. If you'd go in and you'd get your blood taken, they'd pay you 35 bucks to take your blood, yeah. right? And then while you were there, they would give you uh, clean water, clean cookers, clean cottons, right. clean needles. But then they would give you $40 if you came back and got your results, right? Just to kind of yeah. let uh, awareness know. So one day I'm sick, I go in and I get the fucking blood, 35, yeah. go up, cash the check. I have no intention to go back to get the results. I don't want to fucking know. No. Cause like, it's a very real possibility. I <laughs> totally. had contracted, like I live like that. Yeah. And one day I got so sick. The pain became so unbearable. My, my hustles fell through. I'm like, fuck it. I got to go get the results. I go back. They give me the check for 40. And as the doctor, so I said, doc, please, 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 please do not tell me what these. And I try to run out the door. I swear to God, totally try to fucking run out the door with a, a check for 40 bucks. You yeah, thought I just fucking yeah. robbed the bank of a mill. He puts his foot in front of the door. Bam, the door won't open. He said, Mr. Novak, by law, I have to tell you, you can thank God you don't have HIV, but I regret to inform you you do have hepatitis C and I fucking gave him a high five, <laughs> <laughs> not even fucking around. Like oh. that's the, the Dude, reality. Well, I mean, no, that's life. true. That's like when it's like every man who goes in there, you know, after he's just gone raw yeah. and he finds out he only has chlamydia and you're yeah, like, like God, thank I, I, love this chlamydia. I love this chlamydia. You I'll be back I mean? tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dude. But, so, but wow. I'm, to, to clear the record, Later on, years later, after I got sober, they came out with this miracle drug called Harvoni. Yeah, I they took get, the you can get rid of it now. It's yeah, non-existent. Yeah, you can get rid of it now. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah, like yeah. a big blessing yeah. for me. But so, um, so how did you? So you're you're rolling around. So I'm in Baltimore. I'm fucking doing the most ungodly things to come up with money. But you first, first you start sniffing. I start sniffing. Okay, right, and and then 
you know, you sniff a bag as $10 now, a bag. Let me ask you this, because it seems like, and I could be, I don't know the stats. I'm going off of anecdotal evidence, but it seems like there are more heroin addicts that come out of places on the East coast. Do you think it's because they have powder heroin? Like back in the day, the West coast was strictly Mexican black Chiba, tar, tar heroin. Yeah. yeah. And you can't sniff that shit. Yeah. So you have to you go can, like liquefy it and you drip can it down. Smoke it, but like it, you can't, Shooting, it's tough too. Right, exactly. Because it's black and you can't see when the red comes up to know that you're on the vein. Oh, so it, interesting. It's, it's, interesting. It's a tough thing. But do you think that the fact that that China white that was basically just an East Coast staple back then, do you think that got a lot of people hooked? Because it kind of looks like Coke. Sniffing seems a lot easier to do than, and a lot less gnarly than shooting it into your veins. Do you think that's what how people get into it easier? Because you can sniff it. And you, and you can rationalize to yourself, well, I'm just sniffing it. I'm not really a junkie. Do you think that's what makes more heroin addicts over in places like Baltimore? I mean, like that Philly? could be a narrative. Yeah. I don't discount or discredit that. Okay. Absolutely. But there's a million reasons that you can justify or rationalize why right. doing a bag of heroin makes sense if you're a drug addict. Right, right. You know, I'm only sniffing it, not shooting it. Right. Uh, I do it because whatever. So how, so you start so sniffing. So I start sniffing it. And what was that I, euphoria? What uh, was it like? It's like, uh, it's, it's like a never ending orgasm while fucking fingering God at the same time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if I could put it into any kind yeah. of word. Sure. It's, no, it's just, beautiful. It's, it's poetry. That'd be a great painting. <laughs> I just fucking visual. I want that painting. Yeah. You are Irish, dude. That was, that was poetic. Oh my God. Um, I think I just shed a tear <laughs> fingering God. <laughs> um, so, so I start out sniffing it and sniffing. It's amazing. It's the kind of drug that like makes reading the Bible, the funnest activity in the world. Yeah. You know, it just makes anything like, not only manageable or, or tolerable, but like desirable. So then why the progression to shooting it, to smoking it, sure. shooting it, whatever? It's all financially backed, right? Like I, I, I'm first $10 a bag. I'm buying 10 at a clip. So it's like a hundred bucks. What is it? Sorry. What? 10 pill, 10 bags in a, in a, in a, in a pack. Oh, okay. Pack. So you, you actually buy a pack of 10. Yeah. Bags. Like give me a, a, a pack or a bundle. And how much is that? hundred bucks or 90. But, but, but if what is a bundle, how, what's the weight on that? It's, I don't even know the weight. It's okay. just 10, $10 bags. Gotcha. Um, and I, you know, I buy that and that's great, but the more I sniff, the more I need to of kind of reach that climatic feeling I'm shooting for. And then one day, you know, I only have 10 bucks, right? The money is fucking draining. And, uh, someone says, look, if you shoot not even half that bag, you're going to get highs if you just sniffed 50. Right. So of course I, shoot it, but I don't shoot it at first. I have to pay somebody to do it. Cause I don't know how, right? So I pay a, 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 a well-versed IV drug user, give him a little bit of it. He shoots me up. And then all of a sudden, like, I don't have extra to give. So I, I become real fucking curious to learn how to do it myself and mm. figure it out. Mm. Um, and that's, oh, yeah, cause he charges you yeah, to show you. Yeah. That's the progression of that. And so there you go right there. So what are some of the hustles? Now I know you letting 
guys blow you. Yeah. I mean, that's, which is a market, right? It, that's a thing. That's wild. So there's guys driving around just they, looking they to suck wanna, cock. They just want to suck cock. Damn. They don't fucking jerk off. They don't. It's a good excuse fuck for you. sucking cock. I know. Dude, <laughs> I, for heroin, I swear. I, I sucked a dick once to prove that I wasn't gay. <laughs> Dude, that's so, live on air that's in, so in, rad. in Australia during an interview. <laughs> that's, with, some, that's some jackass it, shit. It was. So we Take were doing that, Steve-O, <laughs> you puss. Anybody <laughs> we, can shove a car in their ass, a plastic <laughs> car in their ass, you fruit. Dude, I. Uh, uh, we were, we were, Bam had made this band called Fuckface Unstoppable. And uh, he was the lead singer and he would like get these other guys from these other bands, like big guys, and they would play their instruments. And I'm touring with them and I'm like his best friend. I'm, I'm like the most important person in the band, but I'm not in the band. I'm just this fucking drug addict of a mess guy who he brings everywhere with him and everyone kind of has to listen to me because I'm his best friend yeah. deal. And the band just gets so annoyed with me that they're like, Novak, we, we got to get you something to do. So they come up with the concept that uh, Phil Collins in the era of the night, the song, I'm going to open for the band, but I'm Pill Collins. Hmm. And I come out naked with a bottle of wine and I'm lip singing, smoking a cigarette. Not I'm singing the song in the air of the night, in the heat of the night, but totally butchering it. Like Gigi yeah. Allen, just fucking, <laughs> fucking pissing, cigs, wine all over the crowd. And, and I intro the band. And, and then as each member comes out, then when the big do-do-do-do-do of that song, I then intro Bam and he runs out and like, fucking flying drop kicks me and then the rock show just kicks in uh, um so when you're doing stuff like that does that is it embarrassing is it exhilarating or are you just thinking this is going to get me my fix so yeah so that kind of goes back to what you were saying before how i was treated yeah on the, so but to tie up that story we're on this tour in australia and just fucking doing a lot of shit like that and we're sitting down and we're being interviewed by this this broadcast uh, this newscast and and they said uh novak we, we've heard and we need to ask that that you perform some homosexual acts during your set and i look at them and i'm fucking i've been up for days i'm fucking coked out of my mind and i'm like and i'm i'm with uh the drummer from uh gutter mouth we call him rubbish heap but he he's a crazy australian he's as insane as i am and uh i look at him like are you fucking did you just call me a fucking faggot you call me a fucking faggot and I jump up, me and Rubbish, and Rubbish holds him down. I pull his pants down. I do two pumps on his cock and I walk away and I'm like, fuck you, faggot. <laughs> like, it's so wrong. And wow. that was like live on, wow. I'm sure that never saw the light of day. Right. But Well, that story's going to see the light of day. And, <laughs> and that'll be the reason. Be and missed. that'll be the reason you do not work in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> so, so again, doing all these insane things, and you can look those acts up on YouTube, Pill yeah. Collins, yeah. FFU tour. It's literally just as I explained. But um, then cut to me being the brunt of the joke, brunt of the jokes yeah. on on yeah. there, and people like feeling bad. If you look at the scales of justice, I'm in Baltimore. I'm letting old fucking married men blow me for 10, 20 bucks. Yeah. So, so did, are they driving or like how there's this corner and it's known for that. Yeah. And oh. the fun, the irony in this is I used to walk past that corner and make fun of those young boys. Right. I'd be like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Yeah. And, and you know, wow. There go I. Yeah. Later on. And I remember at, at the peak of my addiction, and, and, and at the bottom of my addiction, cause there were times where it was a fucking blast and mm -hmm. I was like up here mm -hmm. Um, but then there were times where I was on the corner of Eastern Avenue and Patterson Park in Baltimore City 
praying to God that that attorney who drives that burgundy Cadillac gets off at 5 p.m. as opposed to 5.30 because he pays me good money to blow. Wow. Like, wow. how the fuck did I get it's there? Crazy. It's crazy. What are some of the good hustles when you're not at your bottom Well, the, the good hustles later on were like getting fucking paid through Warner Brothers You're and right. Paramount. No, totally. That and, that was a that was a hustle. Yeah. That like, was so so full circle. So now you see me like I was the guy that would step up and do any stunt. Any stunt. Mm -hmm. And here's why. Like prior to this, I'm homeless. I'm sleeping in shooting uh, galleries and abandoned houses, mm -hmm. benches outside on the streets, legit eating out of trash cans, like sleeping with old rugs that people put out for trash as blankets. Cut to the next day, I'm like on Viva La Bam and Jackass, and I'm I'm willing to do any of these fucking stunts. What was the what was becoming a household name? Yeah, what what was the uh, Bam got? Uh, what was the first seek? What was it called? CKY. CKY was the first thing that Bam did that got him correct on basically, yeah, right? Yeah, and then. Were you involved Jeff in Tremaine, that? Yeah, I was in that. Okay. Um, not the first one. I think it was the second or the third. Yeah. And if you watch the ending of that, they kind of... So this documentary that's coming out in the future started taking place back then because Bam was always intrigued with my junkie stories, yeah. the positions it put me in, the people it surrounded me with. Yeah. And he would always hide cameras around his house and you'd see me like withdrawing and him interrogating wow. me. So we had all this like real footage and it's all kind of being. That's uh, kind of brilliant of him to yeah. recognize that as like a, a way to make content. Yeah. Did you get him into heroin? No. Did you get no. him into any kind of drugs? What, what I did do was I was the guy that was always down for the party. Mm. And, and I absolutely like wasn't, I would actually try to sometimes like not now, this isn't the time. But in reality, I was an untreated addict and alcoholic and, and looked for any excuse to party and bring anyone along with me. Wow. So I was never the guy like, I was always for getting blow. Yeah. I was always for keeping the party going. Like so I was, so what, how did you mix blow with heroin? So in West, so Bam, fast forward, Bam, Bam's career like excels and takes off and he's like a household name, millionaire. Oh, oh, overnight. Overnight yeah. from the CKYs. Yeah. Before like YouTube was a thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. He was that guy. I remember those videos. Yeah. That's kind of like the beginning that gave birth to like the Danny Duncans and these yeah. guys of yeah. that world. And um, my career went to like legit shit. So Bam had gotten sponsored. He was touring as a skater. Cause remember mm -hmm. in the beginning he wasn't, we were. Right. And he goes to, so at that point in my life, I treated skateboarding like the love of my life that I allowed get away, right? I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to see it. It hurt that bad because yeah. that was my God-given talent. Yeah. So I would avoid any confrontation with skateboarding or the, uh, in any means. And one day things got so bad, I couldn't pull any hustles. I went into this skate shop, which I never did to try to get money from. And little did I know, Bam was there the day before. And he said to them, he's like, yo, do you guys ever see Novak? And they're like, rarely ever. Occasionally he'll stop in and try to get some cash. And, and as fate would have it, I literally stopped in the next day to try to get some cash. And they said, we're not going to give you fucking money, Novak. But Bam was here yesterday and he left you his phone number and said, if and when you're ready to get off heroin and start skating again, to call him. And about a week goes by 
and I, I go to a pay phone and, and I put my only 50 cents in, right. Which is like a, a fucking million dollars to a homeless heroin addict. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember I dialed the number and I, I have my hand on the receiver. Cause if a machine picks up, I lose, I can't lose the 50. <laughs> right? It's like life <laughs> or only death. people our age get that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So he didn't give me his house number. He gave me the number to a skate shop in ta- in Westchester. Right. And, and I'm like, Oh, it's Novak. I'm looking for Bam. They're like, Bam was just in here a minute ago and he's actually next door eating sushi at Kuma. We'll go grab him. So all these things started to align and they go grab him and he gets on the phone and we pick up where we left off. And that night I was on a Greyhound from Baltimore to Westchester, which is where my, my life took place and, and kind of rooted then. Mm. But they didn't understand addiction, rightfully so. Why would they? Yeah. So to them and everyone we went out with, it was socially acceptable and okay for me to do cocaine and drink because I don't like fall asleep in mid conversation, steal your wallet, your car, your bank card to go back to Baltimore to get it. But it was widely known that no one was to give me any kind of opiate or downer. Mm -hmm. So there I could do tons of blow and drink, but just no heroin or Mm -hmm. downers. So again, another uh, positive thing for me being the, the, the butt of the jokes, the, the punching bag, if you will, all I ever wanted was to fucking get high on downers. That's what I do, but I wasn't allowed. So if I did the stunts that nobody wanted to do, odds are I'm going to break some bones. I'm taken to the hospital. I get a fucking big script and now everyone condones me eating these pills. It's a fucking, and I'm getting paid. Uh, I'm getting a, a nice paycheck. I'm becoming like a household name, which allowed me to justify my behaviors. And uh, your addict brain is consciously it, thinking this. Oh, dude. And I'm, you're probably like, I'm getting over. One time we did. I'm outsmarting all, all you. All of them. But I wasn't even like I was trying to outsmart them. I was just so fixated on a, uh, a way to get drugs. You guys, it's football season, and if you like firing on action every Sunday, you got to head over to Prize Picks. okay? If you're kind of a half a fruit like me and you don't really love sports, but you want to put a little bit of money down and make double, triple, sometimes 25x your money, plus stay engaged in the game. I know when I am watching sports, I'm way more engaged when I got a little skin in it, right? When I got something to gain. That's why Prize Picks has you covered, okay? Prize Picks is really simple to play, and I can make my picks and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. You don't have to be an expert. It's a daily fantasy game where you're just trying to beat the Prize Picks projections, okay? You're not playing against any big experts or sharks. It is the perfect way for the lay person or the casual sports fan to put their knowledge to use and get a little skin, double up, make your fucking money. That's what we're about here on the connect. Okay. And check this out. If you go to prizepix.com slash connect and use promo code connect prize picks will match your first hundred dollar deposit. Okay. Again, go to prizepix.com slash connect and use code connect for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars. You guys are going to love it. Let's get back into the episode. But one time we did, we did the Howard Stern show and we did it two or three times and on one of the episodes, we got the second highest ratings ever, right? Friends reunion was the first highest ratings. We came in second. I, I went on there and I, I was so sick that morning. I was withdrawing and we did blow and coke uh, alcohol all night because mm. you have to be there at like five in the morning. Right, so you just stay right. up all night partying. 
What are you sick from? What kind of pills? I just don't have any heroin. Right. Okay. Oh, so you were sneaking heroin even- Whenever I could. Heroin or pills. Right. Like, are we talking like Oxycontin? Well, then it was Percocets and Xanax. Okay. Oxy's really didn't hit the market at this point yet. Okay. But this particular morning I go in and I'm not fucking feeling good. And Artie Lang is there and, you know, he's a self-proclaimed addict. Of course. And, and he's, you know, you spot it, you got mm-hmm. it. And he slides me a subutext. And this is before subutext were even in the States. And he, which got me right. But while I'm on this show, still kind of loaded from the night before, but not on what I want, which mm-hmm. is downers. Like I made all these sideline deals with all these business owners that I knew in Pennsylvania and Baltimore. And I'm like, yo, I'm going on the Howard Stern show. And if you give me a thousand bucks, I will plug your business. So walking into the episode, I had already pocketed 10 G's. I hadn't got paid yet because I hadn't did the show yet. And you hadn't even agreed that you could do that. No, on no, the show. Fuck no, not at all. <laughs> and then I proceed to like lick Richard Christie's asshole. Cause he had this protruding hemorrhoid and I'm like, I'll fucking lick it. Yeah. And I lick it and I'm just do the episode naked. And that and killed. I fucking, they still run it like crazy, wow. crazy, crazy. And you, did you do your plugs? Yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. Faithful, faithful yeah, junkie, dude. dude. I Good fucking prevailed man. for sure. Wow. So you just got 10 bands. So that my mind was always wired that way, yeah. but underlining. And again, I hate to keep selflessly plugging this book, but my new book, the streets of Baltimore, which was the sequel to my first book that did insanely well, uh, that was the bestseller. Yeah. Okay. It, it like no plug away. It, go it, go get these. It you was guys. recently revised in its twelfth edition. And for anybody in the literary world, like I, I have no high school diploma. I got my GED in the penitentiary, um, but I wrote a book during active addiction, and, and it became this bestseller. Recently revised twelfth edition. Ninety eight percent of books that are published don't make it past their first. Yeah. This thing is like stood the test of time. Um, and I actually just did the the narrations for it. So they just are coming out on uh, audio as we speak. Streets wow. of Baltimore just came out. Just did the first one, finished it last week. But the Streets of Baltimore, I really talk about the, the psyche that I possessed throughout that whole process, knowing that I was being handed the keys to the castle, like literally. And I, I could have really made a life that anyone would have dreamed of. And capitalized off all of these fucking things that we were doing. Out of jackass. And, and, yeah. and, I, and I had the wherewithal to know how to do it. I'm a pretty intelligent guy. Yeah. But my like, disease. And, and how did, how would you have done that? Like, you, you, like in terms of like the stunts you were doing? Well, just the marketing aspect. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? The merch did, yeah. and, and, and just fucking promoting myself in the right way yeah. to signing like contracts that made mm-hmm. sense as opposed to give me 500 cash out of the gate. Right. You know, just like how did Steve-O avoid falling into that trap? Cause he seems like an addict as well. Like how did he avoid, uh, you know, opioids and falling into the trap of like, you know, ruining himself. His thing, he ruined himself in his own way for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, his, his end and my end just looked a little different cause we were in two different places. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think externally, but internally I guarantee we both felt the same fucking pain mm-hmm. that kind of disconnected disassociated, mm. isolated, homicidal, suicidal kind of vibe. Mm. Um, but in the streets of Baltimore, I really get into the psychology of like seeing that I'm presented this amazing deal after I just come from doing undespicable, ungodly things for $10 and knowing that it's, 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 it's going to be short lived and that my addiction is going to, to, over fucking take this at any moment, like knowing that, you yeah. know what I mean? Knowing that I couldn't control it and that the inevitable was going to come. And, and every day was just consumed with fear is like 
today the day that it blows up on me. So you knew. I knew. The end was coming. I knew. I fucking knew. And that that was a tough pill to swallow because I had burnt every bridge known to me. When, when I got sober this last time at 38 years old, I walked, you know, uh, May 25th, 2015, I walked into my 13th inpatient treatment center. May 23rd, I came to after being on life support for seven days at the very same hospital my mother's a nuclear physicist at in Baltimore City. My mother had sold homes to pay for treatment centers for me. Um, I had been medevac to like four different hospitals in four different states from four different overdoses. My mother had bought me a plot. People had taken life insurance policies out on me. Like I was expected to die, mm -hmm. including myself. Mm -hmm. um, and I walked into my last treatment center, a 38 year old homeless heroin addict who just wanted to fucking kill himself on a daily basis. But I was terrified to hurt myself in the process. I was terrible at suicide because I kept fucking waking up. And, uh, and everything that I owned, right? Uh, despite being this successful skateboarder, this published author, um, this guy that was in these movies, um, at 38 years old, everything that I owned consisted of eight scarves, two jackets, three socks, a stick of deodorant that all fit into a bag that doubled as my pillow, a needle, a spoon, and a restraining order. At 38. You know, like that's, that's kind of where it took. That's You're literally it, a character on the wire. Yeah. Legit. You're that guy, you know, legit. And were you getting high trying to overdose to kill yourself? No, uh, I went, I, I, not intentionally, but I would have been very happy to not have woken up. So every time you went to cook and shoot, you were ready. Yeah. Like I, I put it this way. I wasn't like going in that direction, but I was really upset when my eyes opened, you know, like, cause I'd wake up and I was like, literally sleeping in this abandoned garage that I would kind of sneak into at the middle of the night because people still lived above it. And I had to be really quiet to lift the fucking garage door without alarming them. And knowing like the opportunities and the advantages that I had, the things that I had done, the people I've met, the, you know, I'm this fucking published author who had written an autobiography addiction memoir that has sold hundreds of thousands of copies worldwide. Uh, I receive hundreds of thousands of pieces of mail from people saying they, they read my book and it saved their life. And, and yet I can't keep a fucking needle out of my arm. Um, so tell us, how did you go from like the number one movie in the world to your, your fall? Tell us about the fall that, that preceded all of this. You know, it wasn't just one thing. It was a series of events that took place that allowed me to see for the first time in my life, what my life really looked like. Mm. And, and again, for the first time I was unaccepting of the outcome that I continuously fucking created for myself. Mm. So although I had been in 13 treatment centers and I had thought at the time that they were a wash, it was a failed attempt. Why waste my time or their time? Little did I know it was all a success, right? These seeds were being planted unbeknownst to me. So even when we were filming Jackass and Viva La Bam, I, I would go to meetings, right? We'd, we'd rap for the day. Mm -hmm. The cast and the crew would go out to the pub and I would meet them, but I would go to a meeting beforehand. Not every day, but yeah. like a lot. And I remember I'd meet everyone at the pub and, you know, we'd do blow, we'd stay out and Bam's like, yo, why the fuck do you go to these meetings and then meet us to get loaded? 
And I knew that my story was going to end one of two ways. I, I had the wherewithal to realize like the end all wasn't to just be a junkie. Like mm -hmm. I wasn't mm -hmm. cool with that. Right. I knew that I was either going to get sober or die in the midst of trying to. So I would go to these meetings and, and I'd acquire this knowledge and information that I didn't know was happening. Walking into that 13th facility that, the pain and finally becomes so unbearable, right? For unmanageability for me is a fucking Monday morning cup of tea. Yeah. Right. The pain has to be so unbearable that I have literally no other option. Then you get my attention. Um, and it became so unbearable that I was able to like, look at myself, see the part that I played in this creation and outcome and, and realize that I'm the common denominator in my problems. And maybe if I just get the fuck out of my way, mm. I might stand a chance because see I, addicts and alcoholics don't end up in the position that they do because they took the fucking short bus to school, right? Quite right. the contrary. Right. We end up here because we're too smart for our own fucking good. It's way easier to be stupid. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and that's how I landed me today. I dumb my way into it. Mm -hmm. But what happened is I would, I would, I would end up in these places and these chairs and these meetings that literally had the ability to save my life. And I would outthink myself right out of it, mm. right? Because they would suggest to me what I could do to save my life. And I'd suggest why you should fuck off because I know. And, and my resume states that I do know because I've done some things mm. by society standards that say I'm successful. Mm. Um, and, and walking into that 13th facility, literally a series of events had taken place that I just we don't have time to get into. And, but I was attempting to, to cop some dope before I boarded this flight to Fort Lauderdale to go live with this stripper who was going to pay for everything. She okay. said she had read my book and it saved her life. <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> so, so awesome. So I'm like, all right, <laughs> fuck it. I was out of options. Bam. It kicked me out. And this is at the end. And uh, I go to cop before I board this flight to Fort Lauderdale. And when I go to cop, I'm like a homeless fucking junkie. And, 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 uh, I have these, at one point in time, nice pair of dress slacks. If you overlook like the cigarette hole burns, because I nod out mm -hmm. while I'm fucking shooting yeah. dope. And, and I don't have any underwear on because I'm like a homeless heroin addict. I don't wash underwear and find imaginary dressers in these alleys. Like, it's not what the fuck I do. And, and I have this like decent button up shirt uh, because I have to go to the airport and I got to make sure they allow me access to this flight. So I'm trying to look presentable, but I have these shoes on, but I lost a shoestring along the way because I was shooting up with it. So I got... Mm -hmm. And when I go to cop from the boys, the boys see fit to rob me as opposed to serve me. So when they rob me, they rip my front and my back pockets completely out. Now my dick and my ass are fucking 100% exposed. They rip my shirt open and the, and the only button that stays button is this very top button. And I got these shoes on with one shoestring. And I'm now like roaming the streets of East Baltimore looking like a gay East LA cholo gangbanger. Mm -hmm. and, and I rushed to the airport because that plan didn't fucking follow through. And- and I try to board the flight and, and this, this TSA airport security agent, two things I've learned in my career. I will never win an argument with a judge or a TSA airport security uh, agent. Like what they say goes. Really? I, <laughs> Cause I find the opposite. Really? Those guys don't have any power. They're Dude. like, no, they're not law enforcement. Yeah, they're literally they, just like, they're working like they drive a bus. But can, I talk big shit to TSA, dude. But do they ever fucking adhere from what they're telling you to do? No, usually not. You, you, you always can't out. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, so never. have fun. Yeah. But like, <laughs> fuck, I've never won. Cheers <laughs> to you. Yeah. No, I've never won either. <laughs> <laughs> so, so um, I get to the the the, the ticket, the counter, and uh, 
this woman takes one look at me and she says, are you under the influence of anything? Right, because I still have the same outfit on. I, I, all I own is the eight scarves, two jackets, three socks, needle spoon, restraining yeah. order. That's all I own to my name. I'm trying to board this flight to Fort Lauderdale and I, I literally have this outfit on. And I say, no. And she said, I, I believe that you are, you will not fly for three days. Not mm. like the next flight or tomorrow morning, three days. Wow. My life, what I've learned is all in retrospect, live forward and learn backwards, right? Yeah. So what I know to be true today that I did not see at the time, that was the very first moment in a series of events that took place to this outcome created a change. What happened was I didn't want to get on that flight. If I got on that flight, I knew it was going to end really bad. I didn't want to be homeless in Fort Lauderdale. It's hot. It's Sandy. I don't know the hustles. I'm living with this fucking dancer who lives in a hotel. Like it's going to end bad. Yeah. That's how you overdose. Yeah. That's, like I, I that's know drug addict. My heart is beating mm -hmm. 10 million miles, 10 million miles an hour. Like I just shot 20 kilos of cocaine. Mm -hmm. Like I know it's going to end bad, but the, the severity of the disease that I possess does not allow me to have the, the say-so in the matter of what I do, right? Like I lost that luxury. Okay, that's interesting. So your body, the disease would carry oh. your body even though your mind is saying bad, Everything bad, bad. in my mind is like, do not do it, do wow. not do it. And my disease is like, bitch, mm. when I want to ask how you feel about something, I will. Yeah. Till then- fucking act accordingly. Literally a slave. Your, I, your I disease is God, the pimp. Dude, I swear. Yeah. I, I was standing at the, you know, I, I have nothing against homosexuals, but I, I the nothing in me screams finding a cock attractive. <laughs> but like when a man wants to suck my cock for heroin, I, where are we going? Yeah. You know, like I lose the privilege to have a say so. Absolutely the pimp in my deal. Yeah. And um, what I didn't know then that I know now is that was the first time I recognized that I was divinely inconvenienced in just such a way that the God of my understanding created just a big enough gap between me and the last speed ball I had shot into my arm to have that moment of clarity to see what my life really looked like was. And for the first time in my life, I was unaccepting of the outcome. Hmm. She denies me access. I get out of line. I call my sponsor. He gives me a, a list of things to do to get back to recovery, which I'll get to. Now, mind you, I did not want to get on that flight. I did not want to go. I knew it was going to end bad, but I didn't have the power to say no. And what happened was the God of my understanding dressed up in the form of a TSA airport security agent and did for me what I was incapable of doing for myself. And I get out of line. I call my sponsor. I said, I'm stranded at BWI airport and I want to fucking kill myself. And he said, no. And this is Memorial Day, 2015. He said, you're going to get on a train. You're going to come back to Philadelphia those fucking AA weirdo cult, like fucking Jesus preaching. I'm not drinking your Kool-Aid people that I want to know part of mm. are now the only people that will fucking accept my cause wow. and to make matters worse. They don't even give me 10 bucks. I'm like stuck with these fucks. Yeah. And, uh, they leave their cookouts. They leave their families, their loved ones on Memorial day. And they come pick up this hopeless, helpless alcoholic who's deemed unfixable. My track record states that I have no chance of obtaining fucking sobriety in any fashion. But people believed in me when I didn't believe in myself and they left their cookouts and they came and picked me up and they allowed me to spend that night with them. And, and the next morning they took me to this assessment place and, and I had burnt every bridge. I had no insurance. I had no money. And, and, and I was granted a, a free bed through the county ran a state ran facility that cost me $2 to get into. Right. And, uh, Sounds uh, like hell. It was it brutal. It was. And, and, but I'm the kind of guy that comes from the, the school of like, 
you can get sober in a crack house if you're ready. Mm. And, uh, mm. When the pain becomes great enough, when the student's ready, the teacher mm -hmm. will appear mantra. Did anybody recognize you? Yeah. Like, were there any jackass yeah, or bam a, fams when yeah. you, like in these, in a these lot. recovery centers? A lot. And, <laughs> and, and it was cool. It, it was, it was great throughout my whole process because in the beginning I would use it to fucking play my, my game and, yeah. and, and, and prolong the end of my run mm -hmm. and just, you know, capitalize and monopolize off these fans, if you will. Um, and at the end, it was cool because everyone was very welcoming to me um, because I was really like, I, I, I didn't want to be looked at. I didn't want to be talked to. I didn't want to be asked a question because I, I was like a stranger in my own skin mm -hmm. trying to figure out who the fuck let me in and why. And everything was abnormal to me. Um, and I, I ended up in this facility and in this facility, I had been to four previous attempts out of my 13 overall. Yeah. And what happened is on May 25th, I was 2015. I was finally demoralized in just such a fashion from drugs and alcohol I was beaten into that state of reasonableness that I sat in the same chair with the same intake coordinator. I had done this song and dance with four times previously. And, and every time without fail, she'd say, okay, Mr. Novak, your insurance will cover you for 90 days. And my rebuttal without fail was in theory, 90 days sounds great. But in reality, I'm more of like a 30 to 45 day kind of fella. I have this woman to do this job to fulfill this state to go to. And she would always laugh and say, you fucking have no idea. And I'm like, you have no idea. You haven't read my resume, right? Like mm. I always thought I had a pretty good idea of what was going on. She said, anything you put in front of your recovery does not or will not matter because you will lose. May 25th, I'm in the same chair with the same intake coordinator. Without fail, we pick up where we left off. And she said, Mr. Novak, your insurance will cover you for 90 days. But the difference on this day is, is that when she gives me that offer, for the first time in my life, I couldn't come back with a counter offer. Like, because if I said no, it literally entailed an explanation. And for the first time in my life, and thank God, I was beaten speechless by my disease of addiction. All I could do was shake my head yes. Mm. She laughed at me. She said, sweetheart, you're in no condition to do your intake. Get up to detox. I'll see you in four days. Mm. I take my, I still have the same outfit because my sponsor is very big with you never get between an alcoholic and their bottom. So he wanted me to endure that fucking unbearable, unfucking pleasant note of this withdrawing game. from heroin. With Tell us game. about withdrawing from heroin. Dude, it's, I mean, I would, Okay. And this is, this is, I'm not cut from that cloth. I'm not a violent guy. I, I cringe at the thought of confrontation, deep seated issues mm. from my father. Mm. Two of my biggest problems is I people please and I hate confrontation. Yeah. Um, but when I'm withdrawing from heroin, I've pretty much done anything in my life that exists in the world of crime to come up with money to acquire a bag, except for homicide. And the only reason why I didn't is because the opportunity never presented itself. Which, by the way, we're going to hear about those hustles on the Patreon. So go to patreon.com slash The Connect Show. How's that for a shameless <laughs> Dude, plug? God damn it. Teach me. <laughs> I'm good, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't give a fucking beat. But that's, you know, and that's just to, to kind of. Like you felt you could kill. You were in such pain. You felt like you could kill. That's for a heroin bag. withdrawal. You catch me at the right time on the right day and I'm sick enough there's nothing I won't do. And as a matter of fact, anybody, any person, any place or anything that attempts to stand between me and it must and will go. And it's not personal. It's just business. And probably a lot of murders have happened Dude, like that. You on know? the dally. 
And I'm not like, I'm telling you, I, I fucking cringe at the thought of confrontation. But if you catch me sick enough and, and, and a situation arises where I have the opportunity to capitalize off something like that and believe that I can get away with it, which my alcoholic brain that lies to me, my own voice that makes me believe the unbelievable will, I will do it. So where do they, where were you? Where do they, you act, they put you in these centers or where do they send you to just go through that? So I go to this particular facility. I'm sitting in the same chair with the coordinator and she, she sends me up to the detox unit. Right. So I, I legit at 38 years old, I walk into my 13th treatment center after being this pretty successful guy. And, and, and I have in everything that I own 38, eight scarves, two jackets, three socks, stick of deodorant, needle spoon and a restraining order fits in my bag. And I'm, I'm walking up this long fucking corridor kind of driveway. And I still have that gay East LA Cholo gangbanging mm -hmm. outfit. My dick and ass are exposed. Fucking got the one button on the fight. My shoes, one shoestring. Cause I'd lost the other one while tying up at one point in time. Wretched. And, uh, and I walk up to the detox and I'm met by this 19 year old tech. And I'll never forget it. He's smiling from ear to ear. He said, Mr. Novak, you're back. <laughs> And I said, aren't you a fucking genius, boy? You don't miss a beat, do you? And, and, and immediately he responds with, Mr. Novak, I regret to inform you, but your clothes aren't rehab oriented. You need some underwear. You need some sweatpants. You need some slides. And I had heard those fucking caught like people saying shit like a grateful addict will never use again. A grateful alcoholic will never drink again. And it didn't make sense until it made sense. And when it made sense was when I was standing next to a 19-year-old boy praying to God to come up on some underwear. But I wouldn't say it out loud because God forbid you view me in that manner. Mm. And, and he looks at me and he's smiling from ear to ear. Again, I cringe at the thought of confrontation, but there was never a point in my time where I wanted to fucking knock someone's head off more in my life. And it wasn't because I didn't like him. It was because I didn't fucking stand me. I yeah. couldn't stand me. And it had been so long since I smiled or was optimistic about anything in my future. And if you did it in my company, I took it fucking personal. Mm. Because how fucking dare you smile? Have you seen how I live and what my, you know? Yeah. And, and he said, don't worry, Mr. Novak, come with me. We're going to go to the basement and we're going to see if we can find you some used underwear. My fucking mother's a nuclear physicist. My brother's an attorney in the White House. Skateboarder fucking touring the world with Pal Peralta, designing my pro <laughs> model, hanging out with Tony Hawk. Yeah. In Jackass, Viva La Bam. It's quasi-celebrity. Yeah, yeah. Fucking uh, autobiography, addiction memoir, bestseller, mm -hmm. fucking hundreds of thousands. Of, I mean, doing the deal. Mm -hmm. And now I'm in the basement of this Catholic charities rehab that cost me $2 to get into with this weird fucking little boy as he's digging through a box looking for some used underwear and I'm praying to fucking God that he finds him. Yeah. How the fuck does one get there? And that's the bottom. <laughs> that's the bottom. And, and I'm praying that he finds him and he does not find him. But what he finds is a pair of size 40 women's sweatpants with no drawstring, a woman's tank top, and a pair of size 13 Jesus sandals. And at that moment, on that day, that I really believed nothing could ever get worse then unbeknownst to me was shaping up to be the best day of my life. Better than any fucking jackass day, Viva La Bam. But I was so consumed by the mess that I was incapable of seeing the message that was fucking happening. And what happened is when he handed me the women's clothes and the shoes that didn't fit, the first thing that I realized is that for the better part of 20 years, I possessed that job that consisted of knowing everything. 
And it landed me in a lot of places I didn't like to be in and it allowed me to feel a lot of feelings I didn't like to feel. And at that moment, this 19-year-old boy in this weird fucking basement with no electricity, digging through this donations box and the box is like ripping apart from all the fucking wet condensation on it. And, and I realized that, you know what I know? Is that I have no fucking idea. All those mm. attempts at all those facilities that I thought were a wash and a failure turned out to fucking prevail yeah. and be a lifeline because at everything they told me, it was like the, the, the sky was parting and I was walking across the sea. I saw it like fucking rain, man. All mm -hmm. these numbers just hit it. They computed yeah. it and made sense in my mind. And I was like, what I know is I don't know. My best thinking has me in a weird basement with a fucking boy who's giving me women's clothes. And I've never been so excited to fucking wear them in my life. And when the, Clothes got to my hand. I was overcome with a sense of willingness, unlike anything a human has ever produced or the capability mm -hmm. of, of, of putting on me. Okay. And, and what I know to be true today that I didn't see then is that at that moment, I was met face to face by the God of my understanding as a direct result of that gift of desperation. Mm. My pain turned into my purpose. Right. Which is? Fucking my defects becoming my assets, mm -hmm. using my sickness and my disease as my medicine and mm -hmm. my lifeline, mm -hmm. right? I like literally, but I didn't know I was doing it. Mm -hmm. I, I just didn't know, but so, I bought into this concept. So in that, so with that uh, come to Jesus moment, that that knowing, that enlightenment, yeah. did that make the next four days of withdrawal bearable? Totally. Yeah, like I had done interviews and they're like, how depressed were you? Uh, in rehab and I'm like dude in detox fucking day two day one I'm shitting I'm pissing I'm throwing up I'm my nose you're is running sweating, all sweating the out the like you know when you're in county jail they all the junkies they first hit yeah count the, yeah. the main line and they're screaming you know and it you smell like the detox of heroin it's got like this sweet smell to them it's, uh -huh. like, it's a body odor but it's also like and it's, it's weird from every hole of their body yeah yeah at the same time it's one of the most filthy yeah things you and, can and, and all you normal fucking inmates who kind of like run the joint or have mm -hmm. a say so put all of us junkies in the fucking corner yeah, and fucking yeah. you know or create they, or this they get barrier. beat down or yeah, they like you know you, what i mean we like get treated nasty yeah yeah um because that's we're, li we're living on this like animalistic level yeah you know yeah. where we literally live to use and use mm -hmm. to live and that's what our life consists of and then you guys who are your white collar criminals who are trying to fucking win a million overnight mm -hmm. have to endure our detoxes. Yeah. Like, fuck you. Yeah. No, don't worry. It makes us feel bad too. <laughs> yeah. I'm oh. like, I don't want to be here with these people. <laughs> Do something I, different, Mitchell. I'm so Mitchell. glad I found a slice <laughs> of humanity in your fucking heartless ass. <laughs> I fucking love you. So as you're as so. But yes, it so, makes that process. Like I felt like I'd hit the mega millions at that moment. Wow. Like, so, so you're feeling pain, but also you're like, I've arrived. It's just physical pain, yeah. right? And dude, anybody can live through that. And, and and because all I've ever wanted was security, stability, uh, some yeah. kind of structure. Because as an addict's life goes, it's unpredictable and yeah. sporadic and you never right. know where you're going to be or who you're with. Right. So I just wanted some accountability and predictability and, and, and just some structure. I wanted to have a bed. I wanted to have a meal. I wanted to have a shower mm. consistently, the yeah. same one. And, uh, so I like hit the mega millions and I knew, I knew, although I was the boy that cried wolf a lot of times, mm -hmm. I knew that it was different this time. Mm -hmm. I didn't say it. What I did was, what we talked earlier, right? Like the, the masturbation, the heroin, the, the alcohol is the, the, the solution to the problem, right? The, 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 the problem is the thinking, the attitude and the behavior. 
So for the first time, I stopped fucking writing letters to my people. I stopped calling with all these grand illusions of how things have changed. These deals are back in play. I'm going to fucking rule the world. You quit hustling. I shut the fuck up. Mm. I stopped talking. And for the first time in my life, I let my walk do my talk. Mm -hmm. My behavior started to change. So I didn't have to reach out to these people once they believed and trusted in me, which was about a year into my process. So for the first year, like I wasn't getting invites to family. Like mm -hmm. no one- the, yeah. the jury was out and not yeah. in my favor that I'd yeah. stay sober, but my behavior started to change. Yeah. Right. And I started, um, my people got me a job washing dishes at a diner for $6 an hour under the table. And at 38, and I, I had thought at the very least I should have been the president of the United States <laughs> not fucking under that table next to a, a 13 year old kid, man. Um, yeah. and, and little did I know, uh, I, I bought into the process. I surrounded myself with some really fucking genuine people that I wanted to emulate their behaviors and create what they had um, and trusted in their process and would have fucking followed them to the firing line if that's what they suggested. And my life started to get really good really quick. Mm. I lived in a sober living house for a year. Is it in Philly or Baltimore? This is in Philly, the outs in Pennsylvania, like yeah. the outskirts. Yeah. And I, I started... Uh, from that job, washing dishes for $6 an hour, I, I'd opened up my own checking account and, and I started to become self-sufficient, right? Because I, I lacked self-esteem. That was evident. And I didn't know how to get it, right? That's why I ended up in this fucking weird fellowship because it was like-minded people who felt the way I felt. Mm -hmm. It was relatable. And, mm -hmm. and there's power in numbers because if you could do it, it made me believe that I could do it. Mm -hmm. So I get this job and they're like, you show up early, you stay late, you take pride in washing these dishes, you open a checking account, you start becoming self-sufficient, you buy your own cigarettes. When I smoked, you you pay your own 165 a week. And and I started doing all this, right? I was doing these esteemable acts because I, mm -hmm. I, I believed in what they were suggesting. Mm -hmm. And in doing these esteemable acts, becoming self-sufficient, one day I realized these esteemable acts taught me how to obtain self-esteem, but it happened without me knowing mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And one day I like held my head up a little bit higher. I stuck my chest out a little bit more and the, the checking account turned into a pre-secured credit card and that pre-secured credit card turned into a, a credit card. And, and, and I lived in that sober living house for a year. And, and then I was provided the ability to, to end up in this world of, of treatment that I had no idea mm -hmm. existed. I literally tripped and fell into this shit. Mm -hmm. And um, I opened, I vowed that like, when I found myself in a position where I was financially capable, I was going to recreate that sober living house I lived in for a year that did for me what no other place was really able to do. And, and on my fifth year sober anniversary to the day, I opened up my first Novak's house. Uh, in Wilmington, Delaware, one house with 10 beds. Today I have six houses with 65 beds and, and I travel the world throwing events, raising money to provide a scholarship fund because what I refuse to accept is that finances are a deterrent as to why someone can't follow the continuum of care after successfully completing an inpatient treatment mm -hmm. center stay. So I provide scholarships to any fucking body in need. If they're a man, cause I only have men's housing yeah. and they're willing to adhere to the guidelines that we've set up. So you'll actually give addicts money so they can- Not money. Well, I give them free rent. You give them free rent, right. In, in right. a very structured, right. safe environment right. with accountability. Wow. Um, and- and, and, and what I've learned is that this was never like a, a financially driven motive. Mm. 
it was just a, a byproduct of me really buying into the process of recovery and knowing that if I can do it, there's no reason why you fucking can't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, in doing that, I've became a, a really wealthy man and not financially, um, spiritually, mm -hmm. right. And internally. And, and I have this, 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 this relationship with a higher power that you couldn't fucking put a price tag on that. I know that that's then transcended into me opening my own treatment center, redemption addiction treatment center, also in Wilmington, Delaware, right? which we want to plug and we're going to put the link in the description. Yeah. So let's, let's plug that. Like, yeah. uh, any, uh, so if you want to interested in, so if you want to, generously donate to the scholarship fund that provides scholarships for any men coming into Novak's house. There's a Venmo account. It's at Novak's house. Um, you can go to my website, brandonnovak.com. Um, and that will take you down all the other rabbit holes or redemption okay. addiction treatment right, center. Right. Okay. Um, and I've been blessed with this life that I, I always say today that sobriety has given me everything that drugs and alcohol ever promised me. And literally the thing that used to kill me on a layaway plan, one bottle, one bag, one needle, one pill, one pipe at a time is now the thing that, 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 that gives me life. What is that thing? It's, it's this, this, the why it's the motivation. It's the internal drive and fire that gets me up out of bed with the lust of life, knowing that I am on fucking borrowed time, mm. right? If, if justice was due, I'd be fucking dead years ago. Mm -hmm. And the fact that I'm not is because I believe I was brought through what I went through to be this, 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 this fucking part in a much bigger play to let people know that there is a way up and out of their position mm -hmm. and I can get you to that place. I can draw you a clear cut, direct, precise map that will 100% get you to the place that you want to be provided you stay the fuck out of your way. Right. And that's the, the complex. So knowing that the wheelhouse, the demographic of people that I work with addicts and alcoholics, when I say I'm Brandon, I'm an addict, I'm an alcoholic. All that means is that I'm defiant by nature. I hate authority yeah. and I refuse to conform because I possess that job that consists of knowing everything. Mm -hmm. So knowing that those are the people that I'm working with, right? The odds are already against me. But what I do is I use all my platforms to share with them my life, this really rad appealing life that doesn't consist of a drink or a drug. And I deliver my message in a way that I hope people find so, so appealing, so desirable and, and so attractive that they like want to fuck it. Mm. Right. If, if I can get you to want what I have so bad that you're willing to do whatever it takes to obtain it, it then becomes your idea. Mm. Like it did mine. You excel at a rapid pace. Mm. Right. And then I provide a number to that. And, and that number is 610-314-6747. That number goes to me or my teammate, John, and we will do the best that we can to get you the fucking help that they're not you what you need but fucking deserve mm. what mm. i didn't know then that i know now is that the moment that i admitted complete defeat was the exact second that i secured the ultimate victory but it's just like and that's what they mean in the program by admitting your powerlessness legit mm -hmm. legit mm -hmm. and it's such a peaceful place to be yeah and the cool thing is the longer i stay sober now the more that i know i really don't fucking know yeah people that aren't even addicts can benefit from listening to that and to listening to you. Like I, I like going, I used to have to go when I was locked up just to like get out of my cell. I used to go to AA meetings, not even alcoholic. Sure. Like I just yeah. like the message. I like that. Cause that's motivating. Like you can, you can benefit from life 
from the 12 steps. Absolutely. Uh, Russell Brandt wrote a book for the general public because uh, people think that you need to be an addict or an alcoholic to experience the 12 steps. Not at all. No, no. Because everybody is, is in a way dissatisfied with where they're at, you know, and everybody has a suffering for sure. Some kind of suffering. Everyone has a sickness and, mm -hmm. and, it, and it exposed differently, yeah. whether it's porn, shopping, food, mm. drugs, alcohol. It's mm -hmm. just, yeah. uh, you know, I always say, right. The 12 steps allow me to have a spiritual experience. The definition of a spiritual experience is simply a psychic change, right? So I, Brandon Novak today, no longer think how I thought when I was licking Richard Christie's hemorrhoid asshole on Howard Stern's show <laughs> yeah. or letting that man suck my cock for heroin, right? Like, I, because what I've learned, I'm armed with the facts, right? I, I have a proper understanding and respect for what I'm up against. The reason why I got beat the fuck every time I stepped into the opponent, in the ring with my opponent was a deal with addiction is because I always underestimated the opponent. Mm. I always underestimated because I knew. And, and um, finally armed with the facts, giving it the attention and time and respect that it deserves, right? Like I'm in a really good place and I'm, I'm not susceptible at this very mm -hmm. moment of having a drink or a drug because I'm proactive yeah. in my recovery. And uh, that's a freeing place to be in. So I guess it'd be silly to ask this, but I'll ask anyway. Uh, do you miss the old life? Do you miss jackass? Do you miss the gang? Uh, I see the gang, uh, uh, you, you know, see him. when, when, when it works, yeah. like I talked to Steve-O a lot. Steve-O got, Steve-O is one of the guys who got sober and like through his story allowed me to believe in me. Mm. And uh, there was a point in time where I was going to like ask him to sponsor me yeah. uh, in that program. Uh, he's like, but it just, it just didn't, we didn't go there with it, but he's a guy that like, I want to be like, mm -hmm. he's one of the most fucking sincere, ethical human beings with this like intelligence, uh, unlike anything that I ever saw coming, mm. but I, I, I totally understand how it took place. And it's mm -hmm. just through this magical program of ours and, yeah. and what we have to do to Were get Were you to in the last, the most recent jackass? No, not the, the, the last, last yeah, one. Yeah. So that's the thing, right? You, you, I see them and you know, when you get sober or I don't know if you do, but when you go to treatment, they say you have to change people, places and things Yeah, and it triggers. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have to change any of the people, the places and the things, right? Because what happened was I bought into the process and in buying into the process, my interest had changed. Yeah. So I was no longer interested in doing what I used to be doing with the people I used to do it with. And they were no longer interested in doing what I'm doing on this newfound journey that yeah. I'm on. So I love them just as much, but just like two ships crossing in the night. Yeah. And when our schedules work, we say hi yeah. and what up. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, I, I have this life that, you know. Well, have you have you thought about reaching out to Bam, who's in a real bad way? He is. Bam is almost like where where you were, you know, 10 years ago. He's uh he's a sick guy right now, you know, and is I Is he on heroin? Death. Did he no, move to heroin? No. What's what's going on with him? He's just got a, a lot of fucking demons in his closet. But I mean, like, what's he using? Is he oh no, he said he was gonna I don't mean to I'm not trying to go for clickbait here, but it's it's a way to rap that I think brings kind of the story back. Like he said he was going to smoke crack until he died Under the unless bridge, he got his, his child. kid back, you know? So he's in a, you know, he's a perfect candidate for having a spiritual experience. For sure. Um, Have you tried? Uh, yes. I've, I've played a part in like several interventions, uh, helped get him to treatment multiple times. Yeah. But again, when the student's ready, the teacher will appear. Mm -hmm. And that's the, the really one of the many fucking dynamics of addiction that just make the fight look so unwinnable, 
right? Because it's not a black and white, one size fits all. It doesn't come with an instruction manual. Read this, you get this. Mm. It, it's, it's case by case and, and individual to individual. And, and so he just hasn't hit his bottom yet. Yeah. And, that, he and when made- he does is between him and his higher power. Right. Like but what's so fucked up though, is like you could die before you ever get it before you ever meet your higher power. Sure. Sure. And, and, but that's the thing with the disease, right? Our disease riddled brain will allow us to, to, it, it does, it, it minimizes and justifies the severity of the disease that mm-hmm. we have mm-hmm. that prolongs the inevitable. And what I learned is procrastination is like masturbation. You only fuck yourself. Mm -hmm. So the longer I stayed out, the deeper I got, the harder it became willing to look at the reality I created for myself because it was so undespicable and undesirable that it was so much easier Mm -hmm. to just shoot a bag of dope, escape farther, longer, but go deeper. It's that never ending cycle that just. What percentage like, uh, you know, you hear like out of a room of 30 junkies or addicts. Yeah. One. Yeah. Kicks the habit. Is that true? Uh, What's the stats on that? I don't fucking do that. Cause again, if you look at it from that perspective, you feel like why bother? It's hopeless. Yeah. Yeah, Like we're fighting an unwinning fight, but here's what I do know is that someone took the time to help me and in helping me, I found the solution right now. The two people go help two. Two turn into four, four turn into eight eight turn into 16. And before you know it, you're changing the behaviors and the narrative. Mm -hmm. So it's no longer a wash, rinse, repeat. And Mm -hmm. you're starting to see a a systematic change, Mm -hmm. right? But it's, nobody wants to hear it starts with fucking one person. If if any of us had the answer, I'd bottle it up. I'd sell it. I'd be a billionaire a billion times over. We don't. It is the only answer though. In this fucking area of, of, of addiction and harm reduction, it's the only thing in the world that there's no margin for error, yet it's impossible to do perfect. Yeah, I know. Try that for some. And it just feels like it's getting worse. I mean, I don't know if that's the news or whatever, but you just with the opioid crisis of the past 10 years and- But you know, know who largely disagree with your statement? My mother. Huh. How's your relationship with her now? Fuck. Be careful what you ask for, because if you stay sober, you're going to fuck around and get it. <laughs> my mother, yeah. who, who, who prayed for me when I didn't pray for myself, she fed me when I didn't feed myself, she loved me when I didn't love myself, showed up for me when I didn't show up for myself- at the end, serve me with a restraining order. Fucking literally don't come back here. Um, now she's like an 83 year old woman. And, and there's days where I have to drive from Philly to Baltimore to like put her in the shower. And, and there's nothing I'd rather do, you know, cause she's getting wow. older and mm-hmm. I took her to the dentist. She's kind of, she's, I got joked with you before heroin kind of like Benjamin buttoned me and yeah. aged me backwards. My mother, crazy intelligent woman, but is aging backwards and kind of reverting to like a a six-year-old childlike mentality who just doesn't feel like showering or brushing yeah. her teeth. And like, I took her to the dentist and you had to have eight teeth pulled. Wow. I fucking, I come out. Right. And, um, <laughs> she's fucking insane. She's my spirit animal. All she cares about in this world is, is cigarettes, Pepsi, Rod Stewart. <laughs> and, um, and I forget what the fucking other thing is, but, um, I take her to get her teeth pulled. I come out, I go in to get her prescriptions filled. She's still all fucked up, all high on all the shit. Galls in her mouth, bleeding. I don't smoke. I'm like really into health and wellness. And I, I, I come out of the grocery store. She's in my fucking passenger seat of my Range Rover. Windows up, fucking cigarette, knotted out with a <laughs> cigarette. The bloody galls falling out of her mouth. And I'm like, if I don't fucking deserve that, I don't yeah. know who does. <laughs> like full circle. Damn, dude, that's a gal from East Baltimore. Oh, you know fucking, what I mean? 
Tried that's, and true. That's old world shit. Tried and true. Like that's not, we better enjoy that. Cause that's not going to be around. You're not really going to see people like that anymore. Dude, she didn't you give know? a fuck about, I mean, I, yeah. it's, I don't smoke like nothing yeah. in my car screams like, Let's roll the windows up and light a cigarette. Yeah. Like, fucking brand new, clean, yeah. taken care of. Yeah. Um, uh, bloody galls falling out, nodding out, cigarette yeah. burning, no care in the world. Yeah. Fuck, <laughs> she, so she's amazing. She's uh, she she's so funny. She's like, you're fucking sick. You're perverted. All you do is follow me around and take pictures of me. And I'm like, you know what? You're kind of right. <laughs> like I film all this content with her. Yeah, and, yeah. And she's just hilarious. So wow. oddly enough, you're never going to believe this or see it coming. When I stopped drinking or drugging, everything in my life got better. My relationships, my workmanship, my fucking yeah, everything. It's like except no my shit. relationships with women. I, I if if I when I was in a relationship, I was always questioned and presumed guilty for cheating, and and then yeah. I got to a point where well, like being fuck with it. a woman is such that if you were an addict, it would you push you to fucking drink and use. Yeah, like I swear to God, it's so difficult now. Like I don't know, maybe I'm just bad in relationships, but if like what I've been through the last two months, well, you are in bad relationships. You're you're bad no, with I'm relationships. A, bad with relationships. Yeah, not in bad. Relationships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm I know that about yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I fucking sat with you for 20 minutes. I know that. You're actually our last guest said the same thing. <laughs> There's Funny a fucking enough. pattern here, genius. It was, it was like an old lady. She was like, wait a minute. Yeah. Because she was a co-kid. She was like, you're addicted to money and women. Yeah. Like, you know? So, but like she, like if I was an addict, I would absolutely would have relapsed these last couple of months. So. But then when you get into the work of these fucking essay meetings that I hope you're attending. If you want yeah. some kind of change, mm -hmm. you're going to learn that it's, it's not the relationships to take you back there. There is no their part, right? Like what I can control in this world is me. Mm -hmm. That's it. The moment yeah. I place an expectation on you, it's not a matter of if, but when you'll let me down. Mm -hmm. And then when you get into the book that we live by, it talks about resentments are the number one offender That's that take key. us back this out. Key people is to hear that. Yeah. So, so the moment I place an expectation on you to do as I think you should do, say as I think you should say, or feel as I think you should feel, I've just set myself up mm -hmm. for a resentment, mm -hmm. unfulfilled because it hasn't even happened yet, but it's mm -hmm. coming. Yeah. Knowing that and that resentments are our number one offender that will take me back out. Mm -hmm. What I do know, right? I can't control your actions, but I can control my reaction to your action, mm -hmm. which makes my world easier and lighter to move through because I'm not trying to fucking rearrange the furniture on the Titanic to make a specific outcome happen. And that's what I mean when I say everybody can benefit fucking from right. these teachings because if you're trying to make it in business, in whatever field, uh, it, that knowing that you can only control yourself That's just it. makes the world easier. Dude, it's so much easier. It's, it's like, dude, it's... And acceptance is the answer to everything. Yep. yep. Radical right? acceptance. I accept, I use this example with people like... You had to deal with this throughout your incarceration. You had to. Of course. Because if if a guard Fuck. insults you, some big corn-fed fucking guy with a yeah. swastika on his neck, he calls you a bitch sure. or fucking, you know, pushes you against the wall. What are you supposed to do? Yeah. You know, yeah. he's going to kill you. You can buck all you want. Yeah, exactly. Good luck. So, and even in show business, like I, I use this example, I radical acceptance. I was like, you know, uh, the business isn't going to choose me. So mm -hmm. I just like made my peace with that. I'm not going to be like one of these, like, like Dave Attell, who's like the comedian's comedian. He's like smoking cigarettes and he's fucked the world. Now I'm an artist. I, I, that's not who I am. I'm built sure. different. So yeah. like we took we took our fate into our own hands and, you know, my life changed and yeah. now I'm getting all these things I wanted. Because we take know? accountability yeah. for our actions. We look at the part that we played exactly. in it. I stopped playing the fucking victim. Mm -hmm. 
Exactly. There's a, it, it all kind of, it aligns mm-hmm. in this weird synchronicity. And now looking back at all these positions where I was divinely inconvenienced, mm-hmm. that I thought things didn't go my way. Mm-hmm. What I see is the synchronicity in life's events that have led me to the right here, right now, yeah. good, bad, or indifferent, then prove to me my higher power is so much bigger and so much fucking broader than my feeble mind could ever conceptualize. And has always had, like, good, bad, or indifferent, I've been fucking gotten good. Man, you went from sitting on a toilet seat with your ass out and your tramp stamp tattoo, yeah. going down a, a half pipe ramp, Right. That day was a bitch, dude. So I fucking, I do that. I wasn't going to wear a helmet and Knoxville's like, you should wear a helmet. And when he said it, I'm like, maybe I should wear a helmet. And I, I put the helmet on. And when I go down, I fucking split the helmet open. Oh my God. He hits his head. Go watch this on YouTube. The clip. He fucking, you smacked your head so hard. It made it. I get a concussion and I break almost all my ribs. Check this out. I then get put into an ambulance, right? Ambulance is rushing me to the hospital. There's a state trooper following. And they're like, Novak, there's a state trooper. I'm like, yeah, it's just to get us there quicker. I get to the fucking hospital, concussion, broken ribs. I'm in the emergency room. A state trooper walks in. He said, are you Mr. Novak? I said, yes, sir. He said, we've been looking for you for a year. A year prior, we were at BAMS and we were filming um, BAMS on Holy Union. And uh, I had woke up ill one day and I didn't have any shit on me. So I go through, I had a leather jacket with all these pockets and I find a, a friend of mine in Baltimore had stole a dentist script pad. Mm. He ripped one out mm. and he wrote me like 10 Oxy 15s because mm. it's a dentist script. You can't get it on abundance. Yeah. It looks shady. So I take it to a Walgreens. I get up to line. I have this black leather jacket on. I have a black fedora and I get up to line and I hand the script to the lady. The lady goes in the back. I'm thinking she's filling it. She comes back out and she's on the phone. She said, he's wearing a black leather jacket, a black fedora, and he's driving a black Mercedes. I go out, fucking leave. Never pay any mind to that again. A year later, filming the jackass in the emergency room, the cop comes in. We've been looking for you for over a year. I had a fucking felony warrant for a prescription fraud from that. Go directly to jail. Wow. That's why I was actually during that movie, there's a scene where Don Vito does the Lamborghini tooth pull. Yes. I was supposed to be that, that, but I was locked up and hadn't got bailed out. So Vito did. Wow. That's, that's a, that was an epic. So that's like what a Monday morning looked like for me. It's so crazy. So dude, okay, well we had us, we're going to switch over to the Patreon because I want to hear Baltimore stories and then I want to hear some some more fucking yeah. jackass tales. You know what I mean? That was an unbelievable episode. Uh, just plug it one more time. The name of your new treatment center in Delaware. Rede- uh, Redemption Addiction Treatment Center. Yeah, yeah. 610-314-6747. Damn. Hit them up, people. Um, thank you so much, bro. That Cheers, was incredible. Love. I really of appreciate course. that. Uh, and go over to patreon.com slash the connect show. We're going to do uh, a little bonus episode. Hang out for a little longer. Sick, man. Take care, guys.